All right, partner. You know what time it is. This is a trial run, sort of a pilot episode for a new a new podcast concept that I have kind of come up with, which actually came from a uh, uh, a little joke that Aaron made on our other pod. This must be the pod. This must be the pod trademark. That's right. So Aaron made a. I forget who we were talking about, but um, I think it was. I think it was. I don't remember who who it was. It was somebody, and we talked about we talked about five degrees of Trey Anastasio. Oh, as, it? As, I think it was like Erica Badu. I think actually. Okay, it was like, so it wasn't the original you, joke wasn't about Fred, but I, in my like Fred Durst saturated mind, brought yeah. it back to Fred. You're, okay, you're, you're, new metal has corrupted you. <laughs> That's right, because we were thinking like, oh, you could totally make a podcast about being however far from whoever it was, but then I guess I kind of brought it back to uh, the person that I had we were a lot talking of about. We were on. talking about doing it, yeah, because it was Erica. When we talked about, it, we were talking about Deftones too, right? Where, yeah, I was thinking maybe it came from Deftones because they kind of fall into the oh, same. Yeah, maybe it was Deftones. Of, I don't know, but yeah, because we, we were talking about how you know, um, or how yeah, how close they were to new metal, you know, right? Which right. Is, the answer is pretty close. Very um, close, possibly within. Possibly within, depending on the era. It, and I guess which Deftones fan you're talking to. <laughs> exactly. Deftones so, fans have very strong opinions. I know that's from the internet. Yeah, that's true. So that's kind of how this uh, idea came to be. But uh, this is our first kind of pilot episode. I'm Pete, and we have, as I said, we have Aaron on the line here. Yep, yep. New metal expert. Absolutely. The only One of the only people, one of a very small percentage of people on earth to actually work for a radio station that plays new metal. That's true. At one point. Yeah, a short-lived career, but a short-lived, uh, short-lived a, a historical broadcasting one, nonetheless. Career. Yeah, definitely notable. Yeah, so uh, this is the first pilot episode of Five Steps to Fred. Of course, as we mentioned, getting somehow to Fred Durst through five degrees of separation from anywhere in the music universe. And for this very first episode, um, I would love to take suggestions from people on where to start, but uh, since mm-hmm. it was just me doing it on my own, I picked something that comes from uh the disco era which i don't know okay. much about so i kind of wanted to start with something that i was a bit uninformed on but i chose yeah, something i don't, in the, I don't really know anything about i don't really know anything about disco i just know that i sometimes like it and sometimes really don't yeah i like i like dancing to it a lot and there's some like really amazing disco songs but uh i just as far as Pretty the history and the, the culture know? i know almost nothing so i went yeah, with that definitely so i went for disco in new york city and when doing research on the disco culture in new york city one of the big uh, entities I found was the Studio 54. Have you heard of this place? Uh, um, yes. It's kind of a sleazy place, isn't it? Yes. That's like all I know about, like really sleazy. Yeah. that's. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm glad it has that reputation still because that's kind of what I got from reading about it. But uh, sleazy and very influential, it seems. It was kind of one of the first huge disco party nightclubs. And uh, it started as an opera house. In 1929, it's currently a, a theater, so that it kind of came back to the theater world. But somewhere in between, it turned into a studio for CBS, where they recorded radio and TV, mm-hmm. and it was called Studio 54, as it was interesting. Uh, that's where it was in the building. And when it was bought by these two bros, there were like two disco kind of entrepreneurial bros who bought it. And they kept the name of Studio 54 because they thought it sounded cool. That's what the CBS studio was called. And so mm-hmm. Studio 54 transformed from 
a uh, traditional studio to this uh, sleazy nightclub that kind of became known for not just disco performances, but I think it was kind of a, you know, an upper echelon thing too. Like the celebrities that go there kind of made it really famous. Yeah. Because I I know that's how I've heard it. I've heard of some, some figures associated with it, but I, I can't recall who. Yeah, there is a huge list. I know Bruce Jenner caught my eye. Um, Andy Warhol, of course, is kind of at all these like yeah. exclusive places in New York at the time. And um, yeah, there's a huge list of like names that you definitely wouldn't even expect to be on this like crazy drug fueled celebrity disco. Well, venue. I just feel like it's the one. It's the '80s, so crazy and drug fueled is kind of you know, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the thing, right? Yeah, it's um, like implied. Especially New York, you know, um, you know, the upper, you know, the, 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 the cultural elite, if you will, maybe not the right, wrong way to frame it, but the, the rich people, yeah, you know, the rich, sense. young, younger people, you know, what I was wondering too, is like, do these places still exist? Like, where are the celebrity, like crazy hangout party places? I think it's like, uh, did you ever, did you ever watch that thing on like the Bohemian Grove or whatever? No, it, it was like this, like kind of like this place in I don't know how real it is it's just kind of this place in like California where the rich and powerful it's kind of like a new world order kind of conspiracy theory uh, okay I see. you know where supposedly rich and powerful people will go and hang out and uh you know plot like the trajectory scheme, of the world scheme and like with their hands pressed together yeah. like licking their lips on how to yeah know, achieve world I mean, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's I'm sure there's places right now you know I mean but I, th- I feel like I don't know, like you or I, maybe, we're maybe not in those circles. I, like, yeah, by, I don't. By, I don't think we're in the new world order. By, 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 circles, by may, maybe, by maybe not. I mean, we're certainly not in the studio. 50, whatever Studio Fifty Four is now, it's definitely not our space. You know, yeah, like probably would I, like, not. We're, we're more, it. we're more like the Turf Club. Yeah. Well, we have the Turf Club. That's kind of that's kind of yeah. all you can ask for, really. Yeah. Exactly. Who needs the who needs a cultural elite when you have Palmers in the turf club? That's exactly right. You know. So the cultural elite hung out at Studio 4 back in the late 70s in New York City. And it was unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. It was shut down for the first time because these bros that owned it had been skimming a lot of money mm. off of their revenue mm-hmm. and kind of pocketing, pocketing the change, if you will, um, that they didn't report to the IRS. So they skimmed almost $2.5 million dollars. On top of whatever legal money they were making. So they're bringing in a ton of cash and, yeah. uh, you know, just making racks here. But they got in trouble, got in a little trouble for the whole, uh, you know, tax money evasion money. deal. Yeah, tax yeah. Evasion. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to close it. And the last day, the last, the, like the final day was February 3rd, 1980. So the party started, of course, on February 2nd in the evening of February 2nd and went into their final day on February 3rd. And at this final huge disco guy, bro, owner, rager, uh, the the two owners were serenaded by Diana Ross. Huge, oh, wow. Huge honor. Yeah. And Liza I would Minnelli. Certainly love to be, I'd, I'd certainly love to be serenaded by Diana Ross. As would I, but I guess you have to run the like sleazy elite yeah. nightclub before you get to that. Yeah. But yeah, by her side, oddly enough, was Liza Minnelli. Which is our oh, second God. step in our journey here, Miss okay. Liza Minnelli. Yeah, you, she was. What were you gonna say? I was I was about to ask you what you know about Liza Minnelli, which it sounded like you were about to. Uh, was uh, was she a comedian, or am I think of somebody else? Canadian or comedian? Comedian. No, she well okay, she might have been in comedies, but she was a uh, an actress primarily, okay. 
And so she was actually the daughter of Judy Garland, the original oh, cool. Dorothy. So that's like a huge, huge that's deal. It's a Minnesota, the five, yeah, five, right. degrees, five steps of Minnesota right there. There's a Minnesota connection, which we always love to see. Yeah. So yeah, there's our Minnesota shout out. Judy Garland was Liza Minnelli's mom. And her dad was this guy named Vincente Minnelli, this Italian dude, Italian uh-huh. stage and film director, who was also super successful. And so she kind of grew up, I guess, in this world of acting and theater and entertainment. So she kind of got her career, uh, you know, jump started from a really young age, having such famous parents and being surrounded. It's funny by how that works out, you theater. know. Yeah, yeah. So she kind of automatically was a famous actress and got into acting really young and was always surrounded by these super successful producers and actors and directors and all these people. So she was known primarily for her acting career, but also had a very successful musical singing career uh, mm-hmm. as well, which I think came from, um, you know, being involved in theater and show tunes where the acting and singing really mm-hmm. go together. Mm-hmm. So that was most of her music was kind of a sounded theatrical show tuny uh, musical type, like soundtrack sounding albums. But for her ninth album called Results, uh, she actually this this album was produced by the Pet Shop Boys. Okay, the, yeah, that, they're they're famous too. Yeah, That's another super famous. And that kind of I don't know much about, but go on. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was a pretty funny album. It was like totally not like what she had put out earlier, which I think speaks to her like creativity. Yeah, was it a mid career pivot? Yeah, it totally was. Nine Have albums you, in, and she went to this these like British techno DJ dudes versus her kind of traditional style. Yeah, has she? Uh, was it? Was it a cool? Do you, did you listen to it? Do you like it? I did listen to it, and I did like it. It was um, it was just funny. It was like you know hearing it. Uh, I don't know. I, I had never heard it before, and it was pretty good. Um, you can definitely hear the kind of like early UK techno yeah. sound combined with this like famous American actress singing. It was cool. Yeah, it sounds, it's a weird combination, yeah. but I, I kind of wonder, you kind of wonder how she kind of, how that came about to be. You know, you know? I, yeah, I read I mean, a little it seems bit like about very, it, but I have no idea really how that. I mean, it seems like just like sparked. very divergent worlds. Yeah. And really cool for her to do at that time too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was really good. It was, it was well received. Um, it's called results if you mm-hmm. ever want to listen to it. But the, uh, the pet shop boys are our third step All right. in our five steps. So then right. what, what, what do you know about the Pet Shop Boys? It sounds like they're familiar to you. Yeah, I mean, I just know they're a big kind of electronic entity from the 80s from the UK. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're much more famous in the UK than they are <laughs> in, uh, the, in the States. But I know they were actually, they were actually I think they were going to do a big tour. Um, they were going to play the Armory with, I think, New Order or oh, something. Okay. Ooh, um, that'd be really in, cool. But that's obviously not happening because right. nothing's happening. But yeah, I, I know they're pretty... I mean, they're pretty famous and reputable, but once again, you know, I can't say this is. So far, we have not we have not really hit scenes that Aaron knows a lot about. Right, we have not okay. we have not stepped into alt country on this. We haven't stepped into alt, journey alt, alt country or jam bands or soul <laughs> or whatever I listen whatever it is I listen to. But this is this is very interesting. I like it. Right. Well, I think you're very right about them being uh, a lot more famous in the UK because uh, Guinness Guinness uh, Book of World Rexer- Records. Sorry actually said that they were the most successful UK duo in history. I really? Think that's, I think that's based on album sales and uh, awards and nominations and Gosh, all that. Gosh, I'm trying to yeah. think. I, I, it, it's funny, though. I mean, we've talked about this, how, like, there's, like, even now, like, even in such a global, you know, musical economy, there's still artists that are, like, really famous, like, in 
in the UK, yeah. you know, that, that aren't, that nobody's heard of, like literally that just nobody has any idea who they are in, um, in America or anywhere else, you know? Yeah. It's, you know who, who it reminded me of and just mm-hmm. because of that exact same thing was, see, they're so, they're so not popular here. I can't even remember the name, but the Canadian guys, the, their lead singer died a couple of years back. And they're oh, like yeah. a huge um, deal. Yeah. They're re- they're really the, good. The tragically hip. The tragically hip. That's right. Yeah, they're Sorry, a great band. And, and, they uh, are, but they like that. I guess in Canada, like that guy's death was. I mean, that was like Prince dying here in Minnesota. Yeah, he like, had a he had a um uh, he had a. I think they have a diamond record in Canada actually. Oh yeah, they're like. I mean, actually, when I went to Canada, I asked a few people about it because I was just so perplexed how. I mean, we live in Minnesota. We're not even that far from Canada, and I had yeah. like. Hardly ever heard of them. Didn't seem like they're a big deal at all. But in Canada, this was like, they're they're kind of like the Canadian Beatles. I don't know. Yeah, as uh, as you know, as uh, I'm, I'm I'm drifting a little too far into my own interests here. But um, reminds Drift me, of, I was talking talked about on one of my other podcasts, one of my many podcasts. Uh, we are Maroon and Gold. We talk a lot of band about a band that we saw. We talk a lot about the Teskey Brothers. Oh yeah. Um, who are like massive in Australia. Yeah. Like, almost not incomprehensibly but like if you like their last album i think like might have topped like the itunes australia charts or something Hmm. and like next to like drake and like all these other like you know really big artists and just that that's just it's just crazy to me like i mean obviously their music is really good but it's like you know it's just kind of crazy that they can exist and be so popular and that it's such still even the even the um uh even in the internet era, these scenes can be somewhat insular, I guess. Yeah. yeah, that is really interesting. Cause yeah, at a time when you can listen to anything from anywhere at any time, like there is a pretty big geographical difference yeah. in uh, what people listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Very think interesting. Fred Durst, think Fred Durst has ever gone down a tragically hip rabbit hole. <laughs> I, t- I don't know if he what has. What do you think he listens I really to? Don't. What, do you, what do you think he like just rap and metal or man? I don't know. Beastie boys. I I'm sure I can get you an answer the further I go into this. Cause I feel like yeah. to really, to really polish this podcast, I'm going to have to know a lot about Fred, like a lot, like too much about Fred Durst. Is there, is, are there resources? I mean, is there the, I mean, I, and obviously there are, cause you've found some interest, you've, yeah. you've found really good information so far, but I wonder, is there like a definitive biography of, or autobiography of, <laughs> just of like, a, Durst a, like a Christian? Durst database? I don't know, but, um, if they exist, I will, I'm certainly going to try to find them so that I can have like the, the most comprehensive understanding that one can have about, about this man. All right, cool. Um, all right, let's keep going then. Yeah, we, we, we yeah, we stepped away at the pet shop boys here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the pet shop boys. So yeah, we, we kind of have a general understanding of them as like early UK techno pioneers that, um, like made it very successfully in the pop world. And the third step that I'm bringing you to here in the pet shop boys late career, they remixed, sorry, a single by Madonna that, uh, was very successful. Madonna actually, interestingly enough, said that she was hoping and planning on the song being remixed because she said that she actually likes remixes better than originals oftentimes just because of just because of how like like you can be so creative with the remix that you take someone else's work and really make it your own and it kind yeah, of creates yeah. I mean, a it's new like song. A, yeah, it's it's um, I don't know. It's just yeah, it, it's something you can like. Like somebody, it's I I almost never give the remix more credit than the original, you know. 
Yeah. Um, unless it's really that much better, but you can definitely, you can definitely, I mean, that's the point of it. It's to spin it, you know, it's to, yeah. you know, take somebody else's idea and not necessarily perfect it, but to, you know, add your own input into it. And that's something that's really, really cool. Yeah. Especially I think, I think that way about sampling a lot too, where like, uh, yeah. a sample can come from something so different and be used in a totally new way. Yeah. In uh, whatever song it's sampled in. So yeah, Madonna, Madonna was definitely on the, on the same page as us there. And so this remix of sorry, uh, I think she ended up liking better than the original version and it was very successful. Um, noted as probably yeah. the most successful song from that album, which was, confessions from the dance floor does that sound right um, was that was that a big was was the remix big in uh in the states or was that only big overseas you know i i don't know where it was bigger but it definitely it reached the top of the uk charts where the you know the original did not so they did the yeah. pet shop boys definitely kind of brought it to fame mm-hmm. both in the uk and the u.s so it was successful mm-hmm. worldwide probably much in part by the pet shop boys mm-hmm. so there's our step three the sorry remix well i guess pet shop boys remixing sorry by madonna which brings us to madonna in our fourth step smooching mm-hmm. christina aguilera at the mt <laughs> at the mtv vma awards in 2003 do you remember this Classic happening moment. i do i do i remember it was very controversial it, it really was when, which which of itself is probably somewhat i don't know problematic <laughs> in not the act itself, but the reaction to the act is probably problematic in 2020. Yeah, I mean, it was probably crazy. It was, you know, it was girls kissing girls in the mainstream media before I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry came out. That was... was is that the turning point? Is that when... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's what <laughs> I that remember in my... Is that when more tolerant and acceptance of a, as a society? I think it was Katy, man. I think she did it single-handedly. Yeah, I, I remember in my childhood, that was kind of the first time that people talked about girls kissing girls like it was a normal thing i don't know i don't know if it was the turning point that's the that's what i remember specifically in my childhood yeah i feel like we're maybe not the ones to consult on that question but yeah maybe not but either way um yeah it was very controversial for yeah i guess a couple reasons i I think because um yeah go on one thing was it was very staged Mm -hmm. so maybe the being a total setup i think it's probably pretty frowned upon. And then of course, just the people seeing that on TV with, you know, on family yeah. television, like, can they really be doing that on, I don't know. That was probably, yeah, that was the, that was very much early, early Bush era, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 2003. Um, very religious kind of religious conservative, you know? Yeah. So the funny thing about it too, actually, is that the, the smooch between Madonna and Christina Aguilera was not on camera on MTV. It was actually, so she, Madonna had performed with Britney, Spears and Christina Aguilera mm-hmm. and she turned like in the middle of the performance she turned to the right to kiss Britney and then she turned to the left about to kiss Christina but the the camera actually cut to Justin Timberlake who had just broken up with Britney Spears oh my god Wait, so, I didn't know they ever dated they did they really did I don't know how real it was or how much of a uh, you know pop publicity stunt it was who is he who is he was he still married to jessica beal is it another is and it, who is maybe from minnesota too is that another Ooh. minnesota connection are we i don't know i don't know what jt's recent relationships are like yeah again that's maybe not our maybe not our area of expertise yeah. but it's interesting nonetheless yeah it is but yeah so the camera actually cut out or missed the smooch between madonna and christina and they mm-hmm. filmed it i mean it was like a 
you know, like a YouTube reaction video of like showing Justin's like kind of dead inside kind of like acting face after mm-hmm. seeing his recent ex kissing the queen of pop right in front of him. Yeah. I actually, I actually just read about the, um, uh, what was it? The, the 2000, the 2001 or 2002, maybe it was the 2000, I uh, probably was probably a little earlier in 2003, the best new artist that, uh, that, um, so here's, here's my inputting my, my jam knowledge. Excellent. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's bring it to the jam. Um, Aguilera actually beat um, one of the people she beat for best new artists was actually Susan Tedeschi, who now sings in the Tedeschi oh. Trucks band. <laughs> okay, what, when, is, what, what year was that? Sorry, I think it was '01 or '02. Whenever that wow. those, their first albums came out. Um, so I, I don't really have much to say about that, other than why are, why are those two people <laughs> up for the same? There's a lot you can. I don't know. That it's is just, shocking, actually. That that is very. Those are two very different careers and career arcs and styles of music i guess who, who would you have picked i, I don't know I, I don't think i've actually ever listened to those those albums i mean yeah. I, I under if it's a pop you know it's the it's the grammys you know it's the for best new artist or whatever i mean it was oh egg christina was probably uh was probably the you know the, the favorite being that she was so successful and popular and she's actually got a pretty great voice too she does um Although she can oversing sometimes, in my opinion. But, yeah, the Grammys. Um, I don't know if uh, I think it's changed over time, but at this point, it's definitely somewhat of a popularity contest where they I have. I think it always has been. I'm. I'm. I imagine it was. So, I'm sure giving Christina the award would. Oh man. Would have pleased more Americans than was it Susan? Susan. Yeah. Susan, so yeah. do you know who won? I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a little tangent here. A tan- tangent. it. All right. So. We're going to talk about the Grammy Award for Best New Artist in the early 2000s. Okay, excellent. Um, oh, man. So this is – tell me this is a wild list. Um, so in 2003 – well, no, we're not going to go. We're not. We're just going to talk about 2000 the year. It was uh, Christina Aguilera beat out Macy Gray, mm. who I love, you yeah. know, uh, Kid Rock, Britney Spears, and Susan Tedeschi. Huh. Susan's, which is just a, Susan's place on that list is hilarious. I know, like just, but you know, she's probably had the longest, I mean, she's probably had the longest music career out of all of them, actually. If you, like More in terms than, of than like, kid? What about, maybe what not about pop kid? relevant. I mean, when was the last time Kid Rock made down anybody cared about, you know? Oh, I don't know. Never. Yeah. Geez. This is, in, this is, this is a fascinating list. Can you name anybody who has won this award in the last, Best in, that, in that decade? Some pretty, pretty, some heavyweights, and then some not so heavyweights. Hmm. So from 2000 to 2010, best yeah. new artist winners. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know if I could. All um, right. So what about where's Nelly? Is Nelly? No, he wasn't. He was 90s. Uh, Nelly, uh, there was a Nelly. Nelly Furtado was nominated. Uh, okay. In 2002. And lost two. Alicia Keys. Oh, well. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, Way to go, Alicia. Yeah. I think the weirdest, I'll just talk about the weirdest one in this list to me. Okay. Um, the weird, Definitely the, the one that stands out. A lot of these guys, guys and gals, I guess, have had really kind of, you know, long careers mm-hmm. um, and, you know, are still successful today. You know, Carrie Underwood, Adele, okay. Nora Jones, John Legend, Maroon 5. Um, but in Maroon, 2004... Maroon. Evanescence won. 
Oh man! So that's kind of the same. It's oh. kind of a. There's definitely some Fred Durst connections there. Maybe oh yeah. We got to explore the Grammys at some point. But... And you know, wait, was that 2004 or 2005? Uh, it was 2004. So okay. Their hit probably came out in 2003 or something. Yeah. Okay. So so I had the one of the first CDs I ever bought was the 2005 Grammy nominees. Okay. Uh, CD which had My Immortal by Evanescence on it, but that must have been nominated for. Maybe it was song of the year or something yeah. else, not best new artist. But yeah. yeah, I bought it because it had the clean version of American Idiot by Green Day on it, and cool. my, my parents would only let me get the the clean version, so I bought it. Pretty good yeah, investment. That was that was a, that is a good investment. That was one of my first favorite kind of rock, you know, things I was exposed to for sure. Yeah, most definitely. So where so were we? We um, were at the VMAs in two thousand three. Yes. And yeah, so that was that was the uh, the event that I'm noting as. Step four, where Madonna kissed Christina Aguilera, and it was it was. I watched the performance. It was really. I see why it was controversial, not just because people saw like same same gender kissing, but like mm -hmm. just because it was. So they they opened with like a virgin, and mm -hmm. they all had wedding dresses on, and like Madonna came out of the cake, this big cake, mm -hmm. and it was everything about it was just kind of strange, like uh, super set up, super kind of publicity stunty and then oh, i i think i know where you're going here i'm looking at the i'm looking at the the performances did did you see who comes out at the end after I, I, after the the smooch um i see who came out with i don't know well yeah just go, go on and uh <laughs> well after this big like staged tv moment where they where they cut to justin timberlake they go back to the the stage and here comes missy elliott Wow. Out of nowhere. So that was wow. kind of, I guess, like the redeeming yeah. part of the performance was we got a few bars of work it in between like this pop pop medley that was going on. Yeah. So so you're going to go with Missy Elliott as your as your next connection, right? No, actually. So okay. uh, that's that's Madonna. So okay. went from the sorry remix by Madonna mm -hmm. to Madonna kissing Christina Aguilera at the VMAs in 2003. And this is actually going to bring us to another VMA uh, performance, which yeah. was in the year 2000, uh, a collab between Christina Aguilera and Fred Durst. Whoa, okay, before, yeah. we, go there, before we go there, before we go there, um, I had no idea that existed. Um, do you want me to, can I, can I just say a word about the 2000, the VMA performances? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm just gonna read you some of these. <laughs> You have a lot of these, this, you know, this is, have, this is for the year 2000. This is when, no, this is from two, 2003. Again. Okay. So this is the, the pop trifecta yeah. performance year. Okay. I just don't, I'm, I'm just surprised at some of this. I guess Metallica played a medley, which you know, they always have like the one rock band. And I guess Metallica yeah. is pretty good at being the one rock band, <laughs> Yeah. but also Mary J. Blige method man and 50 cent did a medley wow as did and i'm i was this is where i thought you were going here oh is, um, there, is there another path i could have taken uh, maybe you know there's that's a the great thing about this world. too is that there's probably for each of these steps there probably would have yeah. been another path so to christina get us all the aguilera also did a medley with red man and dave navarro from jane's addiction Whoa. and the red hot chili peppers wow and, and I, that was in 2003 
That was in 2003. Wow. I don't know. Uh, that's that's a blast from the past, and that's just a wild combination. I don't know if it's the award shows just trying to like attract every audience or what it is. But they still do that. They do. Do you remember, do you remember when, the Taylor yeah. Swift? And, is that what you're about to say? No, I was going to say Taylor the Swift Kendrick and, and Imagine Dragons. Oh, see, I was going to say Taylor and Kendrick because Taylor and Kendrick did. Oh a yeah, that was horrible. Too. I that don't know. I don't know if that or the Imagine Dragons was one was worse. They're both really, really, really bad. Yeah, the Imagine Dragons one was something else, but I do remember the the bad blood Kendrick and Taylor Swift, and yeah. not not liking that at all. Yeah, I think um, those are both like big big flops. Yeah, but anyway, so now we're we're at um, where what I was gonna say we're at um, you were we're talking at about the we're red, at we're red at Fred. Man. Yeah, we're at Fred. What are we talking right. about? We're at Fred. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are. We've made it. We've made it back. We made to it Fred. to Fred. Where, uh, yeah, so Christina came on stage playing Come On Over Baby from whatever album she had out yeah, at the time. Yeah, I remember that song. That was, a, that was a cool song. Yeah, it's a nice song. And then um, in the middle of that song, out of nowhere, the lights go down, the camera pans to the other side of the room, and here comes Fred Durst for the uh, <laughs> the last verse of uh, Living It Up by Limp Biscuit. Wow. <laughs> and Christina did uh, sing some vocals like over Fred's uh, rapping in mm-hmm. living it up wow. pretty crazy yeah. i have to i have to watch this yeah it's it's that kind might of be insane. a that, that might be a singular singularly 2000 moment <laughs> yeah yeah and so uh limp biscuit actually won um best rock video over um a number of bands for the video for break stuff okay yeah that's a i do i don't know if i would say i like that video i love that video I, but I it is it. definitely one of the more memorable things about Limp Biscuit is that like if you ask people today like what do you remember about Limp Biscuit, you'll say was that the video where the people I don't know <laughs> punched everything and <laughs> rapped. Yeah, that was the one. Well, that was all of them, kind of all directed by Fred too. So that was a really big, really big uh, multi talented, multi talented Fred. Yeah, performed with Christina and won for a video that he directed for a song that he, I guess I don't know if he wrote it himself, but a song that he wrote and performed with his band. So the 2000 VMAs, let's, while we're here, <laughs> I think we should look at some of these other winners. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's, Christina, let's take a... Christina was nominated but lost. And I think there was actually, um, as far as drama at the show, there was some sort of fiasco about the the loser of best rock video the guy who lost to fred i forget who it was so there was so i'll, I'll read you who who else is up for best rock video you okay can the tell nominees. Me who, i i suspect i suspect i know who it was <laughs> someone threw a fit i forgot who it was it, but i briefly I, I, read about uh some tantrum that was had so creed okay doesn't was, seem like scott creed. stapp was doesn't, it scott stapp let's look it up yeah so the the other nominees were creed Kid Rock. Okay, so I'll say the, the songs too. Creed with Higher, Kid Rock with Cowboy, Corn with Falling Away from Me, Metallica with I Disappear, and Rage Against the Machine for Sleep Now in the Fire. So, okay, what's your guess? I, my I guess is that now. it's Scott Stapp. No, I'm surprised I didn't remember this actually. But it was was Tim, it Lars? Tim Comerford from Rage Against the Machine. Who is he? The bassist? Yeah, he's the bass player. Okay, I, I, why? <laughs> I don't. He was pissed, man. I don't know. He had, he had a lot of rage because he lost to Fred Durst for the best video. I mean, if I'm Rage Against the Machine, what was it? Was it? 
What video was it? Sleeping out on the fire. Sleeping out on the fire. Yeah, I don't remember that video. <laughs> I know I like that song, but um, yeah, it says here long before Kanye West tried to steal Taylor Swift or Beck's award show Thunder, there was an infamous moment for Rage Against the Machine bassist Tim Comerford. At the 2000 MTV Video Music Awards, the musician climbed up a fake palm tree on stage and refused to come down after Limp Biscuit won Best man, Rock Video. That is, you know what? Say what you will about rock and roll, but man, that 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 I wish, I wish today's rock stars were that kind <laughs> of crazy and just, yeah, I agree. you know, just kind of narcissistic and self-involved. Do you remember uh, Billy Joe Armstrong's meltdown? Uh, I, yes. I remember him having it. I, I don't recall the. It's been so long, honestly. <laughs> I also forgot what award show it was, but I think Usher was given more stage time than mm-hmm. Green Day was, and he, I think, he was really drunk, and he went on a big rant about uh, how I don't know exactly what he, he was upset about Usher having more time than him. I don't know mm-hmm. how much deeper it goes than that. I guess but. I distinctly remember. I distinctly remember the probably the twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. Um, Grammys when they had um, Queens of the Stone Age play out um, oh. and maybe Nine Inch Nails was there too I don't remember because that album would have come out around there but like it was a, like a collaboration or something and I just remember Queens like got on stage and all of a sudden the credits ran, the credits ran and they just cut out and I was like oh no, man this is uh, you know I just want my band to get more time you know that's really disrespectful man it is and there you got Josh Hom in the flesh yeah to play and that's it yeah so who else is in this empty there's a lot of best male video had eminem beat d'angelo kid rock kid rock and kid rock and d'angelo both did very well in this this year um wow. yeah because yeah obviously that was the untitled how does it feel video um yeah. i saw eminem and, in the crowd in the videos i watched he was he was looking pretty good yeah this was his this was his peak you know oh yeah most he, had, he had a a VMA dramatic moment too, didn't he? Uh, I don't know. Didn't he? Have, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like... not offering. I'm sorry. I'm not offering you more here. I, I just this. I didn't. I didn't expect it to take this route. You know. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I think, didn't expect I to like go the down VMAs, the rabbit hole. I never think about VMA, this stuff. Maybe it's always set up because it seems like everyone always has some sort of tantrum or moment at the VMAs. Do they still? Kanye, Kanye what, West what? included. It was Connie the last. I mean, I, I just don't think it now. Like, I don't think anybody cares about the VMAs. No, no. I don't. I don't think it's like a big culture. Like, even if somebody did have a, a moment, I don't think. <laughs> I, I, it's like if a tree falls on MTV in 2020, does anybody, <laughs> you know, does anybody notice? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. The only time I ever, I mean, it was never like you'd hear about someone being so happy to win a VMA. It was always you just hear about some weird thing that happened. Yeah. At the awards show, that's the only time that anyone ever talked about them. Yeah. So maybe that, I guess that kind of makes sense with MTV's whole bit is that it's all about the award show drama versus the award itself. Anything substantive. Yeah. I'm sure we'll come back to, the more we do this, I'm sure we'll come back to these award shows. Yeah. Yeah. I think Um, Fred's presence at them is, there's a lot to work with there. Yeah. Geez. Chemical Brothers. Lauren Hill. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I was I reading it was I think it was Aaliyah's last uh, like performance on TV mm. uh, before her probably not her last performance ever, but I think her last televised performance before her death. Oh, crazy! Yeah, I think you know that's you what can, I read. Can you I watch these? Can you watch these, or can you just see clips? Is there anywhere you can like watch I, the archived? 
Yeah, I think I think there is. I watched um the the Madonna deal I watched on it wasn't on YouTube. It was on like a website with an article about it. So okay. you might you might have to dig a little bit. Yeah, I'll do that. But I would like to see the um the, the method what'd you say, Method Man? Um, I think it was it was like Redman, Dave 50 Navarro, Cent. and Christina Aguilera. Oh and yeah, then, definitely that. But then there was Method Man, Fifty Cent, and I forget who who they were who with, else? but huh. you can bet it was interesting. Yeah, I bet it was. And yeah, Christina, Dave, and Redman—that's crazy. I had no idea. Well, do you have any do you have any final thoughts there? No, this was interesting. This was pretty Good. interesting, actually. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I thought it, it made a good, uh, you know, jump around from from here to there to here to there to Fred. Yeah, it was it was, it was coherent. All right. Well, thank you so much. If you're listening, uh, send me where I should start on my next journey. I would love a, a suggestion of somewhere to start mm-hmm. and a challenge to get from there to Fred Durst. So thank yeah. you so much, Aaron, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye.